Hello and welcome to the Road Trip Sports Podcast. My name is Harrison Cook and I'm joined today by my co-host, Oliver Gilmore. Ollie, how you doing? I'm good, man. Keen to chat all things footy today and all things Melbourne. Yeah, it's going to be great. Another city in Australia, so all of our AFL fans can be so happy uh, that we can chat some more AFL today in the AFL heartland that is Melbourne. Now, if you enjoy this podcast and if you enjoy what we do, make sure you follow us on all of the socials. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Road Trip Sports Pod. And we just recently had a video hit 750,000 views on TikTok. So it's a great page to follow. Make sure you keep up with all the videos we are going to be posting. We've got a lot of content prepared and it's going to be some great fun. We're also on YouTube. You can find us Road Trip Sports Podcast. Uh, That's what you need to search for that. Uh, We also take inquiries. If you've got any stories, any voice recordings that you'd like to send us uh, telling us all about your experiences, uh, make sure you uh, send them in to roadtripsportspodcast at gmail.com and that's where you can get in contact with us. Uh, But it's going to be another exciting episode today and I'm really keen to get into it. So, Ollie, like we do every week, do you want to take us into and introduce the city of Melbourne? Yeah, let's do it. So, Melbourne is the capital of Victoria and is the second most populated city in Australia. It's regularly voted as one of the most livable cities in the world and features a number of sports teams in most notably the A-League, NRL, NBL, Super Netball, Rugby Union and AFL among others. When talking about Melbourne today, we'll have a probably a direct focus on AFL, but we will touch on some other sports as well, such as cricket and rugby league. And there's a lot of other individual sports in Melbourne, which are really cool to talk about. Um, but to kick us off, did you want to tell the audience what we're starting with today? Yeah, so we really enjoyed doing our superlatives uh, chat a couple of weeks ago. So what we're going to do today, we're going to do something similar. We're going to do AFL predictions with Melbourne being the AFL heartland. Uh, we want to make sure we can do some predictions and get them out there with the season starting very shortly. Did you watch any of the preseason games over this week? I caught a little bit. Um, I actually w- more watched it for AFL Fantasy and just to check out some players' new roles, um, that sort of stuff. When, uh, when's your draft? Well, it's not a, we don't actually do a draft. We do a, it's, it's, called, it's called a classic league and basically everyone can have the same players, which you generally don't. Like There'll be 10 or 15 uniques, but yep. um, you sort of build your team and it's a salary cap thing. So it works out really well. But yeah, so you've obviously got to work with a salary cap, so you've got to pick those up and comers. So yeah, I watched a few games to try and, to try and pick those guys out. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, so we're going to do our predictions now. First, it's going to be an interesting one and sort of uh, pie in the sky. We're getting our crystal ball out. Uh, AFL sports headline of the year. What do you think by the end of the year, everyone's going to say that was the biggest headline this year in the AFL? I'm going for one that it's big, but it's probably not too big. Um, but mine is Alistair Clarkson to coach the Gold Coast Suns in 2023. Gold Coast. Gold Coast Suns. You reckon he's going to go to Gold Coast? Well, I'm just looking at the list. We know Alistair he, Clarkson's only going to Gold Coast for a holiday. We know he wants to coach somewhere, but Colton have got a new coach. Collingwood's got a new coach. North Melbourne's got a new coach. Essendon's happy with their coach. Just all of those bottom level teams, they don't seem to need a coach. But I mean, you know what? Carlton will try and change their their uh, coach whenever they can. So maybe Clarkson coaches Carlton. I expected him to last year, but yeah, nonetheless. Um, Alistair Clarkson to coach Gold Coast Suns in 2023. Very interesting prediction. I think uh, it's going to be 
It's going to be interesting to see if he takes can take Gold Coast somewhere. Since they've been an expansion team, they haven't really done a lot in the competition. They've had Gary Ablett Jr. there, but they haven't. They didn't weren't able to do anything with him. So it's going to be really interesting to see if that does come to fruition. Which of course it will, because we we know the future. Uh, we've been there. We've seen it. It's going to be interesting to see whether he could be able to pull Gold Coast up to a level where they can gain that national respect. Yeah, and I like Stewie Dew as a head coach, but I think something's got to change. Um, we know Clarkson's a good people person, and I think he can produce some guys um, to Gold Coast, some older veteran guys, to maybe get those young guys across the line and turn them into elite players. Um, there was a few headlines a few weeks ago that he would, he'd already reached out to, to some players to sort of not re-sign um, and come and play for him in 2023, but didn't, know, didn't name where, so it's all, it's all in the open. That's my headline. What about yours, man? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say an interesting one. I think it's time. I think the AFL is going to announce a new expansion team. I think there's a lot of markets. I, I've got some ideas on some markets that could use an AFL team. Uh, obviously, the biggest one would be Tasmania. And we've seen a lot of teams... Um, a lot of teams have connections with Tasmania, like North Melbourne, like Hawthorne, where they travel there and they've sort of become the de facto teams. Now, I think that that's a viable option where there's that AFL uh, exposure there. There's the AFL interest there. There's a couple of other ones around the place, like Canberra is a big market. Newcastle is starting to build in the AFL scene. I don't think they're ready yet, but I could see it in the next 20 years, there being a team in Newcastle. You've got Northern Territory, who's footy mad. It's going to be dependent whether the market's big enough, but I could see a team there. So I think there's going to be announced a new team in the AFL. Even North Queensland could do with an AFL team. They've got uh, the support there. You see that with the Cowboys. I think it's time for a new expansion team. I think it's a growing league and it, there deserves to be a 19th team in the AFL. Do you see one of the... So you, you see it's a new team. You don't see a relocation from North or Hawthorne or anything like that? Well, I think that they're just too established in their markets. They're such traditional historic teams. And we're going to go into a bit more. Um, I actually went on a trip to Hawthorne's facilities. Um, yep. I had a family member who played for them. So I'll talk about it a bit later. Um, but I think they're too established in where they are. They're not teams like if if you said a Gold Coast would move, that would be believable. They haven't established their roots there yet. They haven't been successful. That would make more sense than a Hawthorne or a North, but Alistair Clarkson play, uh, coaching for the Gold Coast Suns next year, I don't think they're moving out of Gold Coast. Yeah, look, I can certainly agree with that, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we're going to go into Rising Star now. Uh, who do you think's your pick for the AFL Rising Star this year? Yeah, Noah, one of our listeners will love me saying this, but I'm going to go with Jason Horn Francis. Um, my reason, he was obviously the first pick in this year's draft to North Melbourne. Um, but my reason is he's already played at an established level in the Sandful, um, the South Australian League, against men. So sometimes you think to yourself, these guys, they're missing that experience of playing at the top level or missing playing with men as they usually play Colts or the under-18s. But he's had that experience yeah. at such a high level and playing against men. And not only playing against men, but in that prelim final he played was one of the best players on ground. So I think... He's a star. He'll get some mid-time. He'll kick some goals up forward and he'll provide enough highlights to get the media talking. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, my pick for Rising Star would be Jamara uh, Ugal Hagen. Uh, he's the first overall pick last year, and he retains his eligibility. Uh, he's a Western Bulldogs key forward, and in five games, he kicked seven goals last year. Now, the game that I really focused on was the Swans game, and yep. I felt like the Swans really shut him down well, but ultimately, he was still a force. It still took a lot of game planning around him uh, to keep him under wraps in that game, so I think he has a bit of an explosion this year. Yeah, he's super raw too. Like he's that raw talent, and a year on in the system is just going to do him absolute wonders. So, for can sure. certainly agree with that there, man. For sure. Um, now, which team is most likely to win the premiership? Now, it is a. Uh, we should have said this at the start, but it is a Melbourne-based podcast. But all of these predictions could be any team in the AFL. So we're not just going to talk about Melbourne teams. So, out of all the AFL, who's your tip for the flag? Um, I thought of a few different options. Um, but I'm going to go for a bit of a smoky this year. I'm going to take Brisbane. Um, Brisbane? Yeah, okay. I think they've got a good combination. They were pretty close last year, um, nearly beating nearly beating the Dogs. They had that big goal from Bailey Smith at the end um, cost yep. them that spot. But they're such a great team, a great young team. They've got that balance of young and old guys. Um, I love, love their coach, and I just love everything that they're about. Um, they've been around the mark, but I, I'm expecting big things, especially with Cam Rayner back this year, former number one pick. Yeah, I my pick for the for the flag this year has got to be Melbourne. I back think to back. I think they're going to go back to back. I think they've got the squad to do it. They've retained a lot of their key players. Uh so and they're still a, such a young team with that young core that I think they they've got the material there to really build on that this year and have another strong showing again uh this season. Uh let's go into surprise all Australian now. Who do you reckon's going to be a bit of a shock? I'm sticking in Brisbane, and I'm going to go with Zach Bailey. Um, we've already heard the murmurs that he's going to get more mid-clock this year. Um, it is a surprise, All-Australian. I mean, I could have named a number of guys, but I feel like he's a bit of a surprise. Um, he hasn't been close as such, but he's a good young player. We saw him kick that goal, that winning goal against Collingwood last year to win the game after the siren. Uh, but yeah, with that more, with more mid-clock, I think he, he's a, a real smoky. Yeah, I think that's a good choice. My pick is someone that we know of very well, someone who grew up in our hometown of Newcastle, and that's Isaac Heaney. I think with the recent rumours coming out that he's going to make a move to the midfield, I think it's his coming out party this year. I think he's really going to explode on the scene. And it was interesting, we were looking at the Brownlow odds before we before we came on today, and Brownlow will be coming up, our prediction for that, but Heaney's surprisingly high on the Brownlow list. I was so shocked. He's the second highest swan on there, and he's he's quite high. He's only paying out $26 to win the Brownlow, which for a player who he's played very well, but he hasn't sort of had that breakout yet, I think that's very high, and it shows that the respect he has around the league, where if he does make that move to the midfield, he's got enough respect where he might pop and might... Uh, be able to make that All-Australian team. Yeah, I think it is really riding on that that role change. Um, he's that player that c- could probably get an All-Australian in the forward line, but I think he probably takes that little bit more, um, that little bit more mid-time, maybe a little bit of a different role to get it done. So that's mine. Uh, well, sorry, that's mine in Zach Bailey and, and yours, yours is Isaac Heaney. I yep. mean, that's a pretty good choice as well. I think they both have a, have a good chance to make it. Uh, top four. Who's your pick for the top four? Just going to rapid fire these in no order. Um, I suppose you could probably take this in order. Um, For the regular season, I'm going to go with Melbourne, uh, the Western Bulldogs, Brisbane, and then Geelong. Mine's very similar, but you're emitting uh, a certain cheer cheer from the red and the white, a certain team from New South Wales. I reckon the Swans will be a top four team this year. 
in no particular order, I've got the Sydney Swans, the Melbourne Demons, the Bulldogs, uh, and Geelong. I think the Swans, probably, if I'm being honest, they squeak in there at the four. I don't think they can quite get the minor premiership, but I think they're a really good option to make the four. I think their squad is young and it's strong. Uh, I think they're a good shot. Okay, and what else are we thinking? What are the other teams there? Uh, so I just mentioned before, I've got uh, Melbourne, I've got Western Bulldogs, and I've got Geelong as well. Okay, sweet. The one thing that I probably we missed here is no Port Adelaide. They've been up there the past few years, but not in there for us. Yeah, very, uh, very interesting decision. I just guess they're the odd odd man out uh, with our picks, aren't they? It's like we've got sort of the underdog, the sort of up-and-comer with your Brisbane and my Swans. I think they're just that fourth team that we sort of got to bump down to get one of those up-and-comers into our four. Okay, and who do you reckon wins the wooden spoon? It's a tough conversation because any given year you could mention uh, a number of teams, but I think North Melbourne, uh, they don't have the strength in their list and they're perennially down there. It's an easy pick to make. I think North Melbourne wins the wooden spoon this year. I think the easy pick for me is Gold Coast. That ties in the Alistair Clarkson taking the new job. Um, they seem to win it every year. Change the name to the, to the Gold Coast Wooden Spoon Award. But uh, yeah, no, that's mine. The Gold Coast Spoons. Um, now, the Brownlow. Who have you got for the Brownlow? I've got Marcus Bontempelli. Um, he's been pretty close the last couple of years, the Bont. Um, but I just think that he's had a bit of trouble with such a prolific midfield and guys stealing votes off each other. Um, but we know the AFL loves him. We know, <laughs> we know the umpires love him, and we know most people in Melbourne love him, especially those doggy supporters. So, if I'm uh, if I'm being honest, I have to agree. Uh, but my pick is probably probably a bit of Swans bias coming out. But my pick is going to be Callum Mills. I think he showed a lot in the midfield last year for the Swans. I think if the Swans are going to make the four, they need their role players to really deliver. And Callum Mills is one of that. One of those players who can really shine for them and can really take them to that next level. Well, he's dealing with a little bit of an injury, but he should be over that hopefully by round one. Um, and I think he's a good chance. He had a huge year last year. So, uh, Well, last one we've got uh, before we get into our next segment will be the Coleman medal. Who you've got for the Coleman medal? I've got Harry Mackay. Of course, I'm going to mention him as uh, Carlton's, Carlton's young gun, but um, he wins it again, back to back. Very nice. Well, I'm going to say that uh, the great Buddy Franklin gets the Coleman medal. I know it's a bit of an underdog, but uh, he's keen, he's hungry, and if he stays healthy, he's still one of the best players in the comp. He still is a goal machine. Uh, I think Buddy's still a good chance for the Coleman. Yeah, I think the only thing... I think Buddy's an obvious choice, but I think the only thing with Buddy is just how many games he misses. Surely this one's put him on ice a bit this year. Um, in fears of him getting injured if they want to make that finals run. But Load yeah, good management choice. management with, with Buddy, I think, is going to be key for the Swans winning the flag. Um, so I, I think either the Swans make the top four or Buddy uh, gets the Cole medal, but I'm going to hedge my bets and put them both down. Uh, now, let's get into Melbourne. Uh, we've talked about our AFL predictions. Let's get into Melbourne. Melbourne has a lot of different major sporting events. It's not known as much for the variety of different stadiums it's got. Yep. It's more known for the amount, the sheer volume of events that it hosts. It's sort of uh, the mecca of international sports in Australia, would you say? I'd say so, yeah. I think having the MCG, I think it's arguably, it's the most historic ground in Australia um, for me. But it ha- just as you said, it hosts so many 
prolific events, hosts that AFL Grand Final every year. But even even just on that quickly, do you think it should be in Melbourne every year? It is tradition. It is tradition and it is something that everyone looks forward to. You've got the parade in Melbourne. You've got all the uh, pomp and circumstance around it. However, I think it's been really good that it's gone around the around the country lately. I think a solution could be every second year in Melbourne and every every other year find somewhere new, like a Perth, like a Gabba, uh, like an SCG. Uh, share it around a little bit so we can grow the sport because the sport still is, it's getting, like it is Australia's sport and it is the most popular sport in Australia. Sorry, rugby league fans, it is. But it still is very Melbourne-centric and to make sure it's seen more as the national sport, it might need to share that around a little bit. Yeah, well, there's no reason why they can do they can't do a parade in in Perth or they can't do a parade in Brisbane or you know we host in in these major cities. So I don't think there'll be an issue there. I think that's a good suggestion. Um, maybe once every four years for me. Maybe once every two years, as you said. But yeah, so the grand finals held in the last Saturday of September each year, um, and as you said, one of Australia's biggest sporting events. Um, I haven't been to a grand final yet, nor has my team been to one since I've been alive. Um, I'm a Carlton fan, so uh, I was pretty grim there. I was in Melbourne one year for the grand final. We did, we couldn't get tickets, but we went to the parade. The parade was awesome. Uh, we went and did all the activities, and it's such a family-oriented uh, event. They've got so many. I think it was Federation Square had all the family activities, all different uh, AFL skills and drills to do. They really gear it towards the families and making sure everyone can enjoy the footy. It was a great experience, even just being around and feeling the vibe of that city around grand final time. It's a great place to be, and I would love to go to a game one day. The one thing, whilst we're on the top of the grand final, that I want to see come back is the under 18s. They used to play, well, the, when the quarter cannons were dominating, they used to play that under 18s, and it was almost like a, a pre draft little match. Um, they did that last year, but it was sort of not the same thing. It wasn't on the same date, at the same ground, all that sort of thing. But continue to play those games and televise them. They don't yeah. televise them anymore. That's what I want to see. But yeah, love my grand finals. Now, speaking about the MCG as an AFL venue, have you been to any AFL games at the G? I've been to plenty of games at the G. Um, it's sort of a bit weird for me because most of the bigger events that I've been to have been at Etihad, weird enough. Yeah, um, gotcha. I went to the bushfire relief match a couple of years ago. Um, I think that was just before COVID here. It may have been, may have been just before COVID um, hit seriously in Australia. But that was a really cool event um, to see that all all stars match. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've I've seen a lot of games at the MCG. I don't think I've seen any finals or probably because my team don't don't make them, mate. But uh, yeah, <laughs> what about yourself? Um, so I've only seen one game at the MCG, but it is a pretty big one in the history of the AFL. So I was at uh, the Line in the Sand game. The Essendon, it was Essendon and Hawthorne in 2004. And it's a game not remembered for the efforts uh, in the sporting venture, but the uh, surrounds of the sport where there was a massive fight. It was huge. It, it was still something that's talked about to this day. It was a knockdown drag out. That fight lasted for so long. I remember talking to my family about it because I was young when I went, but talking to my family about it this week when we were preparing for the podcast, they said it was like everyone forgot there was a football game going on. The fight lasted that long that people were like, oh yeah, the, the, 
oh, we're here to watch football? Oh, okay. Because there was, there was players everywhere. There's jerseys ripped. They were going at it. Absolutely. Like, game stopped. It was incre- like incredible scenes and a very infamous moment in the sports history and one um, some would like to forget. But uh, it was just crazy to see such violence on a football field. Yeah, I don't think we've seen anything since then. And um, I'm a big advocate for for hard footy, bringing back the biff. But uh, yeah, that was just different. That was that was there was hatred there between was those two teams. Pure hatred in that. There was some real malice. And every time they started, like tried to restart the game, all it took was one vaguely dirty hit, and it was everyone all in back again. Like it was a huge deal. Um, now. We're going to get into the Melbourne Cup now. Melbourne Cup is a big event on Australia's sporting landscape. Do you want to talk about the Melbourne Cup at all? Yeah, I, I love the Melbourne Cup. Um, it's a cool, cool day. Um, usually people knock off work early or take the day off, um, gather together and watch the big race. Well, it actually is a public holiday in, in Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in Victoria. So um, it's a big day around the country where everyone gets together and sort of watches the horse racing. Um, it's held at Flemington Racetrack, uh, but a lot of around the country, a lot of people go to their local racetrack to watch the race. Um, have you ever had a winner on Melbourne Cup Day? Mate, it is the hardest, the hardest race to tip in the entire year. There's that many horses, horses from different countries. Mate, you know what? That's They have a sweep for a reason because you've got no idea. No one has any idea who to tip, you know, roll the dice, so... But yeah, sure. cool event. Love it every year. I probably won maybe once or twice in a couple of sweeps, but never won that big first four or something that you see people winning 500 grand or, and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on now to the Boxing Day Test. So we're going to talk a bit of cricket. Uh, it's held at the MCG each year and it's one of the most important uh, Ashes games. When Australia hosts the Ashes, it's always the one that everyone's watching, everyone's paying attention to, uh, no matter the score in the series. Do you want to talk a little bit about the Boxing Day Test? I love the Ashes. Uh, in particular, I love waking up. Um, whether As I'm a bit older now, it might be a bit dusty from a few beers the night before, but um, <laughs> I love waking up with a full belly from Christmas food, you know, sitting on the lounge and watching um, watching uh, some great cricket. And, you know, they verse India and a few other different countries um, on that date as well. Yeah, it's a great event each year and it's it's one that the whole country sort of looks forward to and it is synonymous with the, the Christmas Day celebrations. Um, moving on now to the Australian Open. We're going sort of quickly through all the events because they do host so many here. Um, the Australian Open is held in January each year and it's one of the four Grand Slam tournaments. So one of the most important tennis tournaments around the world. It's held in the Rod Laver Arena in Melbourne. Um, and... Ollie, you've had some contact from some of our listeners. Yeah, so a few friends of mine travelled down to Melbourne this year to watch the Oz Open and I yep. just asked for a bit of a, a blurb about the event and just a couple quick pointers. Um, so one of my mates, Hamish, has provided some info um, and he noted that it's one of his top five sporting experiences ever. That's and huge, I know that yeah. Hamish has been to NBA games. Um, he went to a soccer game with me in um, Barcelona, we've done a lot of different sports events. So for him to say that, that's pretty huge. That's huge, yeah, um, for sure. He also noted that the first two days are pretty key. So get to the show courts outside. There's heaps of stuff to do, good food, and it's about a normal price for a sporting event, which is which is really cool as well. Um, yeah. The last thing he said, though, was don't buy the Rod Laver tickets until you know who is on. Gotcha. Um, 
So gotcha. I know this year they tried to keep um, Nick Kyrgios and Kokonakis off that Rod Laver court. Um, so maybe a few people would have bought their tickets in preparation for them being put there. But yeah, maybe just wait and see. Yeah, that's a really good tip. Uh, thank you, Hamish, for uh, for sending that in. Now, the last thing we want to talk to uh, talk to our listeners about is an event that we are both attended together. Uh, now, in 2018, we flew to Melbourne. We did. And we went to the MCG to watch the wrestling. Now, some people might say, hey, wrestling isn't a sport, but it's close enough, so we want to talk about it. <laughs> we do, and wasn't it a cool experience? Um, it was amazing. So, I was... It was the largest uh, WWE pay-per-view event that was held in Australia. Um, so it was held at the MCG. What a fantastic um, place to hold uh, a big event like that. It felt uh, sort of like a bit like WrestleMania in the vibe with the, the big stadium feel, but then sort of like a house show as well. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird vibe. Um, I haven't been to a... I've only been to those WWE house shows when they've come to Australia. Yep, me the um, same. So I hadn't, hadn't been to a pay-per-view, so I can't really comment on that. But it was a bit house showy, but um, having that big, huge crowd in that, in that iconic stadium. Um, and we were actually close to the Shields entrance. So for those of you that don't know... Um, a team. I mean, they're not together anymore, but they walked down the... One of the greatest factions in WWE history. Yeah, for sure. So they walked down um, basically where you're seated, um, if you're lucky enough. And we actually were lucky enough. Do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, so they walked down sort of the aisle um, to the arena, make sort of a different entrance to the rest of the wrestlers. And we were actually in the section next to the aisle. So we were probably, what, 10, 15 meters away? If probably closer, if that, I think yeah. there was like five people between us and the aisle as it well. It was it was crazy. So we saw them up close and personal. They are huge gentlemen, um, but it was awesome to see. It was great to see matches that actually mattered. Like when you go to those house shows, they're matches that don't matter. Yep. So it was great to see matches. We saw Triple H versus The Undertaker. Shawn Michaels and Kane were in the corners of their respective. Uh, BFFs. Yeah. Um, we saw all sorts of matches. Got to see John Cena. Got to see Ronda Rousey. So many amazingly talented wrestlers uh, that we actually got to see. AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan. Um, it was amazing to see those guys uh, actually up close and personal. And it's one of the memories I'll always remember uh, going to that with you. Yeah, for sure, man. And bring back a little bit of our childhood as well. I went more huge WWE fans. So. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to hear more WWE content from us, make sure you let us know because it's something we're both really passionate about or just wrestling in general. Um, we're really passionate about it. So if you'd like to hear more of that from us, we'd love to share our thoughts um, if that's what the fans want. Now, it's time. The icon of Melbourne. So each week we pick an icon of the city we're talking about. It's someone who epitomizes sport in that city. It's the first person you think of when you think that city and sport, that's the first person you think of. So some of our winners in the past, uh, we've had Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. We've had Dwayne Wade in Miami. We've had uh, Adam Goods in Sydney. And we've had Steph Curry in San Francisco. So we're taking it to the icon of Melbourne today. And we've got a few finalists to share. Ollie, do you want to take us through with finalists? Yeah, so my first finalist, and I mean, you could probably argue that he uh, should have been one of the top two, um, but I'm not a big Richmond fan. 
Harrison's not a big Richmond fan. No. Um, and I don't want to give Huey the pleasure of listening to us talk about Dusty Martin <laughs> for 10 minutes. So, but he, he is a finalist. Um, he's a three-time premiership player and Norm Smith medalist, one of the uh, best players on the big stage. And he won a Brownlow medal in 2017. For sure. He's, he's definitely worth a mention, uh, despite our despise for him. <laughs> That's it. Um, another finalist for me is Lee Matthews. Um, yep. Lethal Lee, he's one of the best small forward um, and midfielders of all time. Uh, kicked 900-odd goals and was just huge for the Hawks. Um, the next one after that is Andrew Bogut. Uh, he was selected with the first pick in the NBA draft many years ago, and he became an NBA champion with my Golden State Warriors. So very close to my heart, Mr. Bogut. Um, the next one for me is Ron Barassi. Uh, he actually won 10 premierships as a player and coach. Now, isn't that just huge? And then the last one is Shani Layton. Um, so I thought I'd give her a bit of a mention. She's played for both Melbourne teams in AFL and netball. Yeah, awesome. Um, so I've got a few nominees as well, uh, some uh, finalists that we're going to talk about. Uh, Rod Laver, uh, former number one in the world. He had a court named after him in Melbourne, obviously the Rod Laver Arena that we've talked about uh, that now hosts the Australian Open. So it's one of the most famous arenas in the world, um, dedicated to one of the best tennis players in Australia's history. Um, another one, Margaret Court, um, although she's made some sort of sour comments lately, she's still got to be recognised as one of the uh, former number one in the world uh, and also has a court named after her. Uh, now, uh, Ben Simmons is another controversial figure. You've given me all the controversial ones today. <laughs> uh, number one overall pick in 2016, basketball phenom. Uh, has fallen off the wagon a bit lately. He's had a bit of controversy with his stints in the uh, 76ers and now being traded uh, to the Nets. Uh, just can't seem to get on the basketball court and play um, and needs to work on his shooting a little bit, I think, as well. Yeah, I think he... Probably deserve to mention because he has that potential to be the greatest Australian um, basketball player. Hopefully, he can represent Australia on the world on the world stage. Um, he's not everyone's favourite at the moment, but yeah, I still think he's a worthy finalist. Definitely. Um, so a couple more we've got. We've got Dylan Alcott. Um, he's a wheelchair tennis champion, uh, Paralympian. Um, he also won Australian of the Year this year um, for his work in raising the profile of uh, Paralympic athletes. So a fantastic. Uh, fantastic ambassador for the sport um, in Dylan Alcott. And last but not least is Andrew Gaze, a former professional basketball player and coach uh, and definitely an icon in the sport in Australia. One of the first sort of Australians to make it big in the NBA. So um, shout out to uh, uh, Andrew Gaze there. Uh, now, uh, we've got to get into our nominees, uh, our finalists, our two that we're going to debate about today, Cameron Smith and Shane Warne. Do you want to let me know about Cameron Smith? I do. Um, despite uh, Through gritted teeth, I'd like to let you know about Cameron <laughs> Smith. You know what? I've passed this off to you because I want to talk about our other finalist. But you know what? Cam Smith, he's um, a worthy finalist. And you're probably thinking maybe we should have included an AFL player. Dusty should have got the nod. But let's just listen to all of these accomplishments. I'm going to play Devil's Advocate today because honestly... He's got too many accomplishments not to be talked about in that conversation. Um, so he was the Melbourne captain for many years. Uh, he played for Queensland and Australia, 430 club games uh, for the Melbourne Storm. That is an NRL record. Um, he is a three-time grand final winner. Uh, 
um, in 2012, 2017, and 2020, you might be thinking, hang on a second, I thought he won a couple earlier. However, uh, he had two grand finals that were stripped in 2007 and 2009. So if you forget about the books, he's won five grand finals. Um, he's also a four-time minor premier, three-time, uh, so three-time stripped minor premier, so seven minor premierships. Wow. Um, he's a four-time grand final runner-up. Um, he's won 11 state of origins with Queensland, um, most of them being captain. Um, he's won three world club challenges. Um, he was the Melbourne Storm captain for 327 games. Wow. So from 2006 to 2020. And I'm hearing a lot of wow because they're just stats you don't think of. And uh, you you think of him as the player, but you don't think of the impact that he's left on the game. He's also Queensland captain for 21 games. He captained uh, Australia for 33 games. Uh, and he was a two-time Dally M medal winner in 06 and 2017. You got anything else there, man? I have think I've said <laughs> enough good things about Cameron Smith, but I'd like to leave it there, please. Yeah, wow. What, have a, what a lot of accomplishments there. Um, and it's hard to sort of knock him as one of rugby league's greatest players of all time. The rugby league handful himself, Cam Smith. But um, <laughs> what do you think about the grand final um, being stripped of the Melbourne Storm? Do you... Do you think this impacts his legacy? Um, I know we mentioned last week with Barry Bonds and, and the doping thing, but this is a team thing. This is a salary different. cap thing. It's much different when it's not just an individual player. Look, I think that it. if they were the only grand finals he won, it would be a bigger deal. Yep. The fact that he has three grand finals that he won not even counting the stripped ones, I think it almost it, it it is he would he's better off for having won those games than not having them at all. It still is tough to win a grand final, even if you've got a bit a few extra good players. It's still tough to win. They still won tough games, those grand finals that they did win. And he played a pivotal role in both those games. So they still did win the games. Yes they cheated. Yes they obviously deserve to have those uh results stricken from the record and stripped but for an individual i think it's still a plus in the column what about you yeah i think it's a tricky situation i think anything that involves a team and involves a front office and salary cap um you shouldn't take away from the players um that said as the captain how much influence does he have is it does he know but i think regardless they won premierships. They won those minor premierships. They won those two grand finals. Um, I you, know you they can did put it. The best player, like the best players on a team in paper, and they still exactly. don't get it done. Like he still got it done. He still played the pivotal role in those teams. Well, that's the thing. I think they're the Melbourne Storm are a great team. Um, and honestly, I think you look at the amount of players that move to the Melbourne Storm from other clubs. Everyone always says you play your best football at the Melbourne Storm. Um, so. Mm. Huge props to Cam Smith there. I know um, my mate Tommy Hanley's a big fan of, of Cam Smith and he was an advocate for Cam Smith as the winner of our debate today. I'll, I'll throw a hypothetical for you quickly. So we saw that out of the sort of core star players that they had, Greg Inglis was the one to leave when they had to get back under the salary cap. They don't have Greg Inglis. Do they win those premierships? I think so. You think so? I think so, yeah. I, I probably do too. Yeah, they, they were they're a strong outfit and they probably would have brought someone else through the system who could have done maybe not to Greg Inglis' standard, but a fit a similar role. 
Um, so, do you want to talk about our other finalists now? Do you want to talk about Shane Warne? Yeah, so that's it. Our, our other finalist is Shane Warne. Um, now, he played 145 test matches. Um, and most notably, his achievements occurred on the international level and playing for Australia. Um, but the big thing for me when I was looking at his accomplishments was the 700 career test wickets, uh, 293 taken in the 50-over format. And he also has taken the most wickets in a cal- calendar year multiple times. That's incredible. Team of the century. Um, and I just think Warney's just that iconic figure. He's the king of spin. Um, I don't think we've seen anyone. Nathan Lyon's a great a great spinner, um, but he no doesn't like la- Warney. <laughs> I don't think he laces uh, Warney's Warney's boots, to be honest. Yeah, and I think uh, we were talking about the po- uh, before the podcast earlier about the impact that he's had, not just on on Victoria, not just on Melbourne, but on world cricket. The fact that if you think spin bowler, you think Shane Warne. If you want to do like if you're playing backyard cricket, you start spin bowling. You say you're pulling a Warney. You go, oh, I'm just like Warney. The fact that he's been retired for so long and he still carries that weight uh, shows to his icon status. Yeah, and I think um, what contributes to his icon status as well, when you think of Cam Smith, whilst he's got a lot of those individual team achievements, um, Warney does it off his own arm. Um, more of an individual sort of aspect. I know Cam Smith's the captain and he's he's probably Melbourne Storm's best player for many, many years. But um, Warney taking huge wickets to win Australia um, test matches was just absolutely huge. And if you think of, um, you walk, Melbourne is a multicultural city, um, got a lot of people from India and a lot of cricket countries. Um, and you walk to them on the side of the street and you say, who's more iconic out of Cam Smith or Shane Warne? They might look at you in the face and say, I don't know who Cam Smith is. I'm not a rugby league fan, but if 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 even if they are, I still think they go with Warney. Um, he's one of the best. I think he's the best spin bowler of any country. Yeah, I agree. Now our winner. So we'll announce the poll results and then we'll announce the winner in our poll uh, on our Instagram. And if you do want to vote in our poll, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Road Trip Sports Pod. The winner of our poll with 57% of the vote was Shane Warne. Uh, now, Cam Smith only polled 14% of the vote with the rest voting for other. I think Cam Smith has that bias from other markets, from people who aren't in Melbourne. He's one of those guys, we talked about it before the pod, he's one of those guys where if he's playing for your team... You love him. You absolutely love him. If he's playing for the other team, you absolutely despise him. We were kind of talking a little bit about uh, Michael Ennis being that sort of grubby player where it, when he was playing for Canterbury, everyone hated him. My family's a bit of uh, Cronulla fan, so when he played for the Sharks, they were like, yeah, I mean, he's all right. Um, so it, Cameron Smith's sort of the same way where he's loathed by the, the competition at large but loved by um, his Melbourne Storm team. Um so, with that being said, uh, with the results from the poll um, coming into mind, our winner for the icon of Melbourne is the legendary Shane Warne. Uh, Ollie, do you want to take us through the top five moments? Uh, most iconic Shane Warne moments. Yep. So, number five was an Ashes hat-trick in 1994. Um, and Warney became the seventh player to do so. Um and anyone that takes three consecutive wickets is just uh, amazing for me. So that's his, that's, his, uh, that's his number five moment. 
number four was when Warren passed Dennis Lilly as Australia's highest wicket taker. Um, we've since seen others pass Dennis Lilly, but uh, Warney remains on top there. Yep. The number three moment took place in the World Cup semi-final mm-hmm. in 1999. Um, so Australia needed a breakthrough. Enter Shane Warne. In the space of three overs, he literally turned the game. He gets three wickets in those three overs. Um, and arguably one of the greatest games of all time. Yeah. Um, and he was the one that changed that game and, and won it for Australia. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, his impact was just incredible in that game. For sure. So, number two, the number two most iconic Shane Warne moment. Um, we have wicket number 700. A huge accomplishment. No one's ever even seen close to 700 since. Um, and he he's just been fantastic. Um, wicket Wicket machine. taker. Yeah. You know what? Give him the ball and Warney get us a wicket. It was literally like that. You know, yeah. there was points where Australia struggled um, on the international stage and it was, all right, our quicks aren't getting the job done. Warney, in you come, no matter the conditions. Um, and that's why he took so many wickets because he, like, he was almost like a, a fast bowler. He'd bowled that many overs. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And the number one Shane Warne most iconic moment was... I think this is very self-explanatory. Um, what else could it be but the the ball of the century? Um, Shane Warne just <laughs> defies physics, um, spins the ball, gets that w- breakthrough wicket, just ridiculous. I, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a ball spin that much and just hit the wicket. I mean, it was it was pitching um, down leg side and. <laughs> and hit the nearly missed the stumps on the other on the offside, so just just huge, absolutely incredible. And it's one of those things there. No matter how many times you see that ball, it's still shocking how far it spins over the other way. One hundred percent. And that was just uh, it wasn't even like a choice. You know, going usually we'll probably work from five down to one to try and think of our moments. But it was like, all right, there's number one ball of the century. Let's make our way up now. Yeah, for sure. Now, if you want to see highlights of those moments, make sure you follow us on TikTok at Road Trip Sports Pod. We'll have that video up there and you can follow along as we try to climb the ranks on our TikTok. It's also going to be on the rest of our socials at Road Trip Sports Pod and our YouTube page, Road Trip Sports Podcast. Uh, now, with that now, we haven't got much time left, so we need to get straight into this mailbag. Uh, first question, Joe from Newcastle. Who is the most overrated Victorian player? You're going to have a bit of fun with this, aren't you? Yeah, question master, Joe from Newcastle. We love (laughs) your questions, mate. Thanks for another one. Love you, Joey. Um, So, the most overrated Victorian player, um, if you're an Essendon Bombers fan, probably switch off now. Um, I despise (laughs) that club. I don't think Essendon Bombers fans are tuning in after your hatred. Yeah, I despise (laughs) that club. And no one represents that putrid jersey more than Jake Stringer. He had a better year last year. I'll acknowledge he had a better year last year. But this bloke is known. Everyone raves on about the media, about how he can win games off his own boot, all that sort of stuff. But he's the most inconsistent player in the AFL. Um, many look to him as that match winner, but he doesn't, he doesn't often even deliver that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Now, we've got another question from uh, Sam Walsh. Uh, You get to start an AFL team from scratch. 
Who are you picking first? Oh, sorry, not from Sam Walsh. That was your answer. Yeah, <laughs> no, my I, apologies. I noted down my answer here because, I mean, I probably didn't even need to because we're talking about Sammy Walsh, Carlton's great. Um, number one pick. He wins that rising star. Um, gets that All-Australian nod last year. Nearly won the Brownlow as a 21-year-old. If I'm starting a club, I want a young player. I want an absolute bull running through the midfield, and I'm taking Sammy Walsh. Um, Sammy Walsh actually asking the question there, Harrison. <laughs> you, love, you love to see it, that he's a fan of the show. Yeah, Sam, I bet he's a fan of the show. Uh, my pick would probably be Bonapelli. I think he just has that strength through the midfield. He encourages guys around him. Like you said, he gets guys sealing votes uh, because he gets everyone involved in the game, so I think he'd be a great... Uh, you know, he's a bit older than Sam Walsh, but he'd be a great one to start with. Um now, have we got any more fan questions at all? I believe we had one more question, um, and it was about who, which team was closer to a premiership. Do you remember those teams? That uh, were yeah, provided? so it was uh, it was Carlton, Essendon, Collingwood, North, and Hawthorne. Well, you know what my answer is going to be. I'm going to go with Carlton. Essendon. I'm going to go <laughs> with Carlton. Um, I think Collingwood's got one of the better lists there. Um, but I think they've got an aging list, um, which sort of hinders hinders me picking them. Um, I get fooled into thinking Carlton's got a top eight list every year, um, but they've got a lot of young blokes, and I think they've got that that spine um, of Mackay, Kerno, Cripps. They've got Walsh in the midfield. They've got Jacob Reedering, Reedering as an All Australian back. Um, I'm going. I'm going with Carlton. Yeah. Uh it's hard to pick for me. I think that the culture is there at Hawthorne where I think they can pick it up soon as long as they add a few more players to their list. Um, I think they've got a chance at sort of picking that one up soon. For sure. I've actually got a bit of a fun question for you. Right. I, w- I was thinking about it between when we're talking about the grand final chat before. Yep. Um, would you rather attend a Super Bowl and watch two random teams... Or watch the Swans live in the AFL Grand Final? That's a really tough question. I think that's a really balanced question. I think being my fandom lies with the NFL. Um, being that I think the NFL is a bigger event. Well, it is a bigger event uh, in nationally in the States and then internationally as well. I think the pomp and circumstance, the vibe, the energy at a Super Bowl would just be absolutely unmatched. Uh, I think I would rather attend a Super Bowl with two random teams. Yeah, I think to touch on what you said there, um, getting into a Super Bowl is a lot harder than getting into an AFL Grand Final. If you're a, if you're a member, there's a decent chance that you're going to make it there. But... um. It, most people that are fans, you know, may go to one grand final in their life, which is still huge, but many people don't go to a Super Bowl unless you're rich. So that's a huge point there. But I think I'm going to have to go the opposite here. You love your Carlton Blues. Just knowing that Carlton are in a grand final is enough for me to get, get pretty excited. But um, to watch them live, they'd probably choke on the, on the stage for me. But even to watch them live in a grand final, to attend that grand final... And um, to know Carlton are decent enough to make a grand final, I probably would have enjoyed the ride along the year as well. I think the only way Carlton are making a grand final is in your hypotheticals these days. We might have to cheat that uh, salary cap again, mate. 
Well, that's about it for our podcast today. Thanks so much for listening to our chat about Melbourne. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed it. Next week's going to be very exciting. We're traveling to Los Angeles, and we're going to do our first two-parter episode. Los Angeles is a huge sports city. They have got so many different teams. You look through all the sports, and it's a lot. So we're going to take two episodes to get through it. So are you excited for getting us to Los Angeles? Yeah, I'm excited for Los Angeles. Um, another city I was fortunate to travel to um, in December last year. Um, and I think, as you're probably all aware by now, we're trying to get those little um, trips that I did into the podcast early on, just whilst it's fresh in my mind. So I'm keen to talk about my experiences there. Um, and I'm sure Harrison's keen to talk about some um, some sports, and but also some movies and some sports movies, and we know it's the it's the hub of all things movies and all things Hollywood. Yeah, it's gonna be very great, and it's it's sort of one of those places where it's the easiest city in America to get to. So it's one we really wanted to delve into how to attack the sports scene in LA because it's so easy compared to other cities for Australians to get to LA, and a lot of everyone's favorite teams come from that west coast so we wanted to really attack that so we're going to use two episodes to do it so i hope you can tune into that next week it'll be out the same time tuesday 7 p.m australian eastern standard time in the meantime make sure you follow us on all the socials at road trip sports pod we are on facebook instagram and tiktok uh, make sure you look at our YouTube page, Road Trip Sports Podcast. You can also make any inquiries to the podcast. Road Trip Sports Podcast at gmail.com is where you can find us. Uh, we are so excited to be bringing this to you. So make sure if you've got any stories you'd like to share about your trip to LA, if you've got any great games that you saw, we'd love to hear about it. So make sure you get in contact with us through one of those channels. We'd love to have your experiences on the podcast too. Anything more from you, Ollie? Yeah, just continue to support us on the socials. We really appreciate it. Um, I know not a lot of our listeners were actually the ones that that liked and got behind our TikTok, but to see 750,000 views is just ridiculous. And I know we don't do it for the views, you know, we do it for fun. Um, But it's really cool to see. So continue to support us on on the socials. Um, We'll keep putting out TikToks. We'll keep putting out the moments. Um, And if if you ever want any videos... Um, chuck it in the comments or send us a direct message or an email and we'll do our best to, uh, to create that one for you. But yeah, that's it from us today. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. See ya.